We have so many warnings in the Bible concerning the last days. I think we are living in the last days. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Jesus warned us that if the time wasn't shortened, even the elect would not be saved. That's in Matthew 24. And in Matthew 24, Jesus also said the following. Concerning the last days, Jesus says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I have sadly seen people wax cold, I believe because of the iniquity around them. I've seen people who were on fire for the word of God 40 years ago who turned into something else toward the end. How can this happen? In one case, I believe it was because of the choices this woman made. At first, she was on fire for the Word of God. I would talk with her by phone, and she loved to hear the things of God, and she joined in the conversation, talking excitedly about things of God. Thirty-nine years later, I noticed a pattern in her. I would call her on the phone. She doesn't live in the same town I live in. I would call her on the phone, and when I would tell her something God shared with me, It was like I was talking to a dead person. She showed no interest at all in what I was saying. She just got deathly silent. She changed completely. This went on for several weeks, and I noticed it. But then when I talked about a television show, she jumped on the bandwagon and was really excited over some television show she'd seen and began talking about the life of the actor or actress which she had looked up on internet and she was just on fire with excitement. But she had lost the fire for the word of God. Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. At first, you may not even realize you're changing. But all of a sudden, things of God just don't seem interesting to you. You might still read the Bible, and you might kind of think, well, I want to hurry through this chapter so I can get on to something that's more exciting. 
If that's what you think, you're in real danger. I think each of us are in danger, even if we're still on fire for the Word of God. There is a danger. And most of it has to do with whether or not we are feeding our own flesh with television, newspapers, internet, worldly things, of whether we are diligently feeding the spirit, our soul. Only you can answer for yourself as to which you are doing. I can tell you each morning I get up, out of bed, sit down, have coffee, and as I'm having coffee and I have a biscuit with jelly on it, and as I'm eating my biscuit and jelly, what am I doing? Am I watching Good Morning America on the TV? That's feeding the flesh. Am I trying to read the newspaper to see what's the latest news? That's feeding the flesh. What I'm choosing to do is to look at the scriptures that I have collected by the Spirit of God through the past weeks. I pull up those scriptures which I keep on my Kindle photo album and start reading the scriptures. It is not so much that I want to read the scriptures as this is my way of life. What is your way of life? What do you do first thing in the morning? What do you do last thing at night before you go to bed? We can establish certain patterns that are more likely to put us in a good situation with our soul in the way of God. Or we can feed our flesh in the ways of the world. I think it's a critical choice for us right now to make provision for our soul and to refuse to make provision for our own flesh as it wants us to do. It is a battle. And it may cost us our soul, the choice we make. It's very important. It is like a poison gas is coming through the air toward us. And if we're sitting in its path, we're going to be affected. Our flesh very much wants to do things of the flesh. Our flesh is very curious about what's going on in the world. Our flesh is also very desirous of excitement. Things that entice us, that kind of wake us up, but in the wrong way. We're looking for excitement, and the flesh is very curious. If we choose to feed the flesh, we are going to weaken spiritually. And we are in great danger of being one of the many who will be swept away in the last days. Notice that Jesus says 
the love of many shall wax cold. Many. Where they once had a love for things of God, all of a sudden it's boring to them. They feel like they have to read a chapter in the Bible a day, but they really don't pay any attention to what they're reading, and they want to just get through with that chapter and get on to something more interesting, like the newspaper. See how you can fall away? And what do the news stories do? When I turn on my television and see a news story, I'm usually very stirred up. I am either angry at the report, therefore you can't be in peace and be angry at the same time. I'm troubled at the report, you can't be troubled and be at peace at the same time. See, it is stealing from me the way of God. For Peter told us exactly what we should do knowing what's coming in the end time. Second Peter chapter 3. Start at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. A thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. The day of the Lord will take away all of the patterns of this world that we're so accustomed to. It's so interesting to me because this coronavirus was very much like that. All of a sudden, everything that we did stopped. Everything stopped all over the world. The day of the Lord will be similar to that. At the end of the Great Tribulation, the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That will happen at the end of the Great Tribulation. During the Great Tribulation, there are 14 plagues that come upon us, upon this earth. 14 different types of problems brought by God. The first one is great hail and lightning that fall upon this earth. And in that first plague, a third of the trees will be destroyed and all the green grass will be destroyed. Well, you might be able to get through the first plague. But then there's the second plague. And then there's the third plague. And it's just endless trouble. Endless trouble. While we live on this earth in the last days. Know how tired you've gotten over this current coronavirus we just want to see it end we're tired of hearing about it we're tired of thinking about it we're tired of having it affect our lives that is the way the plagues of the last day will be I don't believe it is one of the plagues of the last day but it clearly shows us the difficulty of enduring 
and how you just get so tired of the problem that you want to ignore it. The prophet Amos in the Old Testament told us what it would be like in a very graphic way. Start at Amos chapter 5, verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. One problem after another. Or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. That's what the day of the Lord will be like. That is the period of time we're living in right now. When we get to the end, to the Great Tribulation, it will be worse than this coronavirus. And we've had trouble enduring it, haven't we? For some of you, it seriously endangered you. For me, it didn't seriously endanger me in physical ways like a need for money. For God had taught me to live debt-free. My circumstances were pretty solid. But I got tired of it. Wanting to see football start again. Wanting some action. That's the flesh. Wanting these things to end, even though they're not, at this point, a threat to me. But even if they aren't a threat to us, I think we're tired of them. This is what the Great Tribulation will be, except it will be infinitely worse than the coronavirus. And it will be so bad that none of the elect would be saved except the days are shortened. But, Jesus said, for the elect's sake, the days would be shortened. Yes, there will be some of the elect on the earth during the Great Tribulation. I'm not saying all of the elect will be on the earth, but some of the elect will be here, because Jesus talks about that in Matthew 24. But we have a very good picture to help us to understand what it is going to be like. It's going to be like this coronavirus period, except much, much worse. This basic warning that I'm presenting is to set your life in a way where the important thing to you is the Word of God. If you have a way of life where you're focused on the way of the world, you are in for much, much more trouble. Even though the elect will have trouble in these days that are ahead, just think of how the church people who get up every morning and read the newspaper and focus on the world are going to be. It's going to be much worse. So this is a time to set a pattern of life 
true life. The word of God is life. The way of the world is death. Back to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. The way of life which I have set for myself is this. First thing in the morning, when I get out of bed, I look at scriptures that I have stored up upon which to meditate. The last thing I do at night, when I go, before I go to bed, I read the blog which we have published for the next day and think about it. And then... I get in bed, I pull up the scriptures upon which I meditate, and I look at those scriptures and think about them, sometimes examining myself to see if I've actually done those scriptures. That's the pattern that I have set for myself, feeding my soul when I turn on the news, I find I'm first troubled or I'm angry at the story that's on television. Sometimes I'm just bored. The flesh wants to watch this, hoping for excitement. But it is greatly disappointing, troubling, and I cannot live in peace at the moment I'm troubled. I have to turn to God with each trouble and get it settled and restore myself again through prayer, which we can do. But we've troubled ourselves needlessly because of a curiosity and a desire for change and a desire for excitement, a desire to see something else. We've troubled ourselves needlessly. And when we do it, we restore ourselves by going to God in prayer with the problem that we're dealing with. And we will be just restored by God. But sometimes if you fail to go to God, those little troubles are seeds that are planted in your heart and at some other point rise up. You have to pay attention if you're going to live out there in this world. By turning on your TV, which we do, 
or perhaps by going to internet to see what's going on. Or some of you may read newspapers. We're stepping out into the world and we're going to bring extra trouble upon ourselves by yielding to the flesh and doing that. It is a constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. When Jesus warned the people, when he warned us about the last days, he said, take heed to yourselves, the way of your life, to what you are doing. In Luke 21, we see that. Start at verse 33. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Verse 34, and take heed to yourselves. That's the first thing he says to us about these last days. Take heed to yourself. How are you living? What is your pattern of life? Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, that's overindulgence, and drunkenness, and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth, just as the coronavirus did. You can't imagine anything affecting the whole earth. Now we can, because we've seen it, haven't we? But prior to coronavirus, it affected Africa, but it didn't affect me in the United States. It affected England, but it didn't affect me. It affected Asia, but it didn't affect me. But this coronavirus did affect everyone in the whole earth. And that is what the Great Tribulation will do. It will affect everyone. For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore... Watch yourself. Watch the way you're living. And pray always, taking every concern to God, taking the anger to God, living in peace even in the midst of the problem. This is a very big overcoming. Jesus tells each of the churches in the book of Revelation him that overcomes will be seated here. He that overcometh, I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcometh. Most of the people I know today can't even overcome today, and we haven't even reached the Great Tribulation. When you listen to people at churches talk, and they talk about their problems. They're not overcoming through God, as we're supposed to do. And when you sit there and you talk about what you heard on the latest newscast, and what you might do if this happens, you're not overcoming through God. Listen to the people around you who talk. 
Are they really turning to God and overcoming through God? Through things he has shown them? Are they sharing with you things of God? Or are they sharing fleshly things with you? I found at churches they were strongly sharing fleshly things. When the church service was over and we were visiting, what happens then? What are they sharing? Are they sharing great victories that they have in their life because God showed them something? That's not what I was hearing. I attended Word of Faith where it should have been the opposite. If anything, it should have been exactly opposite. But that's not what they're sharing in private. Our Bible teacher once said to me after I departed from Word of Faith, I told him, I said, well, I didn't realize I was different from the people here. He said, Joan, you were never like anyone here. You were never like the people. They talked about faith and you lived it. So you can deceive yourself. Am I really overcoming the problems that come in my life today? Am I overcoming through God, through what he shows me? Or am I trying to work it out in my own mind and do what is wise in my own eyes and stumbling about as the world does, not knowing over what I stumble? like a man walking walking through the dark and he stumbles over something and he doesn't even know what he stumbled over. Usually it's our own wisdom because we fail to take the problem to God thinking that we could handle it. We all do this. Is anyone immune from this? I certainly have done it. But I don't want to do it. I want to set my way another way. Football started this year after the coronavirus and the first NFL game was played. I turned on the television set and immediately the announcer began talking about all of the money that this player had signed a contract for and just just constantly talk about the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. And anyone who thinks gain is a sign of godliness, it tells me to turn away from them. Well, I don't think this announcer was, it had God in his mind, period, but I just couldn't stand listening to what he was saying. So I muted the television and watched most of the things without sound because of their words were so bad I couldn't stand them. In 1980, I was in Paris for a brief time. It was so peaceful in Paris. I would sit there on the park bench and people would walk by and it was so peaceful and lovely. When I got back to the United States, I realized the reason it was so peaceful in Paris, I couldn't understand the words that the people were saying. When they speak... We who are of God will be troubled if they speak things that are ungodly. Lusting after money, lusting after things of this world, reputations, pride, 
all of the things that we know to be evil. All of the things that we know to be of the flesh. The flesh never improves. Don't think you're going to get better by living in the Word of God for 50 years. You're not. That flesh is just as bad 50 years after reading the Bible as it was the first day you started. Because it's flesh. It doesn't change. Paul tells us what the works of the flesh are. And he tells us what the works of the Spirit are and how they fight each other. But some people who are Christians think they can improve in the flesh. They can't. Paul also told us he was fully persuaded in his own flesh dwelt no good thing. That is in Romans 7. And that's true. That flesh doesn't change. Pam and I were laughing yesterday about something that we saw in a football game, an NFL football game, on the helmet of someone, it said something like, um, no hatred, no hatred, remove hatred. They're out there hitting each other on the football field. There was a basketball player one time years ago that got on a thing where wanting peace on the earth, and he named, renamed himself. He went to court and legally renamed himself World Peace. And on the back of his jersey where they have their name was his new name, World Peace. He was suspended from a basketball game for fighting on the court. I mean, the flesh can't do these things. By the flesh, you accomplish nothing. The flesh profiteth nothing. You can set about in your flesh to do it and fail. It is only through God that we can do anything that is good. And it is only when it is authored by God that we will do anything that is good. Otherwise, to try to do good works by the things we think of, they will be evil and not good. And you would be turned away in the day of judgment. Jesus will say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I'll never knew you. It's only when we really do what God authors that it will work. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus is going to say, God didn't author you to do that. Good work. Get away from me. I don't know you. Depart from me. Many, many. He'll turn away many. It's only when we do the works of God that it will credit us. You can follow your flesh doing the things of the flesh or you can follow the Spirit doing 
what God says. But the flesh and the spirit never agree with each other because the works of the flesh are the following. Galatians chapter 5, start at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, which is living in superstitions, hatred, variance, emulations, which is copying other people to try to get ahead of them. Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So how do you control the flesh? How do you overcome the flesh? As long as we live and breathe one breath on this earth, we have the flesh. We never get rid of this flesh until we die or until we are taken out from this earth by Jesus in our new bodies, heavenly bodies, which will happen according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Until that time, we have the flesh trying to get us to do the things of the flesh, to hate, to argue with people, to strive to be the best. For some, adultery, fornication, envying. One of my, a woman who used to work for me at my house came to me once and she said, don't you ever try to keep up with the Joneses? And I said, what? She said, don't you ever feel that you have to try to keep up with the Joneses? I drove a very old car at the time. My clothing was anything but impressive when I went out. No, I didn't feel I had to try to keep up with the Joneses. Now, if I had been on stage in the ministry, I might have considered it a little differently because at one time I did dress differently from now. But now I have been brought into a different way of life. And that's not one of my problems at the moment. Plus, I'm much older than I was when I was out having public meetings. But you have to keep everything under control through prayer and by the Spirit of God, or your flesh will go completely crazy and drive you into strong works of the flesh. I feel a little sorry for you young people who might be listening to this, you people in the 20s, 30s. It's like you've been thrust into the middle of World War II and had the idle years stolen from you because all of this thing is going to descend. The thing ahead, the Great Tribulation is coming. Coronavirus is a warning. Changing the way of life. You can benefit if you change your way of life and set your goal in spiritual matters. Set your day by the Word of God.
You may not have the years to waste like some of us wasted years. But you will be fine if you can restructure your life and reach for the Bible rather than the newspaper first thing in the morning. If you can get into that way of life, it will be helpful, greatly helpful. It's not going to be where there's never a problem. You're going to have plenty of problems. Sometimes I think I have more trouble because I know the Word of God. I turn on the television set and immediately I see the evil. I see the evil in the good they're trying to do. And when you know things of God, you're going to see that. In the meantime, for each one of us, we really have to set our way totally different. There is a scripture which says, I've set the Lord before me. I've set the Lord before me. The Lord is the word. I have set the word before me. Therefore, he, the word, is at my right hand, and I shall not be moved. It's a really holding on strongly that's going to be required. And why put yourself through more than you have to go through by turning on certain television programs, almost every television program. I still look at television at this point in time, but I am often greatly troubled. And then I have to settle the troubling. I hope this has been helpful to you. I know the message is from God. We have a battle between the flesh and the spirit, and it is a greater battle right now than even Paul had. For in the times like World War II, they knew the enemy. It was very obvious. Paul knew the Jews were going to beat him up when he talked about the word of God. Today, they pretty much fall asleep when we try to talk to a Christian about the Word of God. And we're discouraged when we see that, and we have to fight discouragement, and sometimes you forget to fight the discouragement. We've got a totally different enemy today. It's like we are being poisoned by some type of invisible gas and being lulled into falling asleep. And falling asleep is death. Death. So basically, the messages that I have been receiving lately from God have been messages to try to alert you. Wake up. Wake up. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.